In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. We have got a superstar on the show today, and it's not Jack. We have got Gene Williams, our first guest who's played in a Super Bowl. Gene, how are you, mate? I'm well, Paul. How are you? Great to see you. Thank you so much for your time. No problem. Mate, you're a Browns legend, Browns superstar, and you're on the show. Thank you. Eh, it's my pleasure. I wouldn't call me quite the <laughs> superstar, but I did. I, I had the fortune of playing for the legendary Browns and all that tradition and everything that goes with it, and it was a great experience. I've actually lived in Cleveland the last 25 years uh, of my life, longer than any other place I've ever lived, including where I was born. So, um, obviously, I'm a Cleveland fan, and I, and I love the Browns. So, you've got a nine-year career, and you were traded twice. Is that correct? Yeah, that was correct. I was a fifth-round draft choice by the Dolphins. Uh, I found a way to piss off Shula. <laughs> and I got traded to Bilicek. And then I found a way to piss him off in two years. And then I got traded to Atlanta and spent my last five years in Atlanta. And that's where I played in Super Bowl 33. Uh, and, you know, it happens. And it just goes to show you, uh, I must have been a halfway decent player as a fifth-round draft choice to get to what? traded twice as opposed to getting cut immediately, which usually okay. happens. And how was it working for uh, Bill Belichick? Um, at first, I would say it was love-hate. Uh, I love the fact that Bill wanted me here. Bill had worked me out in college. I thought I was actually going to get drafted by him in the second round. He chose Ed King instead. And then uh, two years later, he traded for me. So I was familiar with Bill and, and how Bill was. When, even when he put me through my workout in college, he almost gave me a friggin' heart attack. I remember going over to the sink and puking, like, in front of him because he just worked he, – he, he tried to kill me. And <laughs> I wasn't in the best shape at the time. So – and he, he <laughs> thing about Bill is like, he doesn't care. He, he put me through the ringer. He ended up not drafting me, but I was familiar with him, and I, and, and I knew uh, – that I wanted to play. I wasn't playing in Miami. I was just sitting on the bench. And I knew I could play for Cleveland, and they got me. They traded for me, and at first it was great. In the end, it was horrible, and I wanted out. And my last week on the team, I actually walked out during training camp when the team flew to Arizona to scrimmage. And uh, when I came back, uh, I got traded. So uh, that, uh, you know, it was great at first, and uh, he hasn't changed much. I know everyone thinks he's a genius, but I think I believe if we'd had uh, Tom Brady as quarterback uh, on my eleven and five team, I believe we would have won the Super Bowl that year too. <laughs> you're, you're an amazing quarterback like that, you know. Uh, obviously, as you know, with Baker Mayfield, you need a quarterback, and we haven't had one in a long time. We finally have one. It's pretty cool. But, but if I'm correct, you played with uh, Kozner in his last season. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, his last eight games, I actually got a holding call. Uh, on his last touchdown throw versus Pittsburgh, um, I was not holding. I'm just letting you know. It was a <laughs> shitty 
shitty field uh, because we we played where the baseball team played, and I was we were on the muddy infield. I slipped, and Kevin Green ran me over. He's in the Hall of Fame now. I pulled my hands back in time. He tripped over me. I got called for holding. It was a beautiful throw by Bernie, and uh, it was all for naught because they got called back, and uh, we ended up losing that game. But, yeah, eight games in, he ended up getting uh, cut, and Belichick needed uh, the police 24-hour protection after that. That's how much Bernie was loved here. He, uh, you know, they were parked on his block. They escorted him to work. They were around him all the time after that. I'd never seen anything like that. I'd never seen like a player like that beloved before. I played in Miami before, and everybody there is a transplant. So, yeah, Marino was the greatest football player of all time, but uh, you didn't have people following him around. You didn't have rabid fans. It's not like it is with the Browns, as you know. With the Browns, it's it's special. It's a strange relationship. The fans, what uh, interaction with their their coaches, their players. Um, and they feel like they're a part of it. So uh, when they got rid of Bernie, everyone here, well, you you know, when LeBron left, you see how people reacted. When LeBron left, when Bernie got cut, it was the same reaction. People were just pissed. So it was it was sad to see him go, but he went on to win a Super Bowl ring with Dallas, so he did okay. Okay, and uh, in in that team, you played with some legends. Uh, uh, Clay Matthews, he's up for his uh, Hall of Famer uh, nomination at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I played with Clay on two teams. I actually played with Clay and Metcalf. I was fortunate enough to play with him on the Browns, and then I played with him later on in Atlanta. Um, so I got to play with them on both teams. They were great teammates, uh, both fantastic players. Clay Matthews definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, you don't have that kind of career, and I mean, he stayed healthy. He maybe had one or two injuries in his career. He he missed very few games. He was a starter for probably 95% of his career. Um, and all those snaps he took, and we're talking old school football too. We're not talking, you know, with the rule changes being different and, and how they made it a safer game. This guy used to practice like four and five days a week in shoulder pads and hit all the time in the play as long as he played. Uh, and as well as he played in a time where they had some great linebackers as well. He, in my opinion, he definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Okay, excellent. And would you, agree? Would, you uh, not agree? would you not agree with me? No, no, I definitely agree. It's his daughter, I'm trying to support his daughter, uh, Jennifer, at the moment. She's mm. pumping out social media at the moment to try and uh, get her down in there. Yeah, I, I saw her social media. I'm definitely retweeting all her, her tweets about her dad, and I'm, I'm hoping for him, too. There's a few people in my era, uh, Clay being one of them, that have kind of been forgotten about, and they definitely deserve, you know, that one final look to get in, for sure. I actually went for drinks with uh, Eric uh, Metcalf uh, last time I was in Cleveland. We met up about midnight. He just flew into Seattle. I don't tell a lot of people about this, but uh, we we met up for some drinks, and um, yeah, he's a bit. He's now a bit disappointed that obviously he didn't get the uh, that Hall of Fame uh, the, the call up basically. So uh, sure, Eric's you, a good guy. He's he's a superstar in my eyes. That's all that matters. I'm hey, I were I'm really happy that football is becoming more of a global thing. Obviously, people like you help that. I mean, it's not easy to get, you know, a Londoner to just love football. Um, the fact that you're helping promote it and 
helping promote it with the Browns is even better. So that's fantastic on your part. It's it, you know it's a really cool game. It's a great game. It should be you know known worldwide, globally. I think so. Keep promoting it. It's it's Thank a you. fantastic sport, and uh, you're doing a good job. So keep it up. Well, thanks for the praise. I'm now going to ask you a real tough question. Fair enough. Who's better, you in your prime or Joel uh, Betonia? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't. Here's the thing. I was going to watch the O-line yesterday, but I got so caught up in how good of I was actually going to study the O-line to see how good the O-line was, how long they can hold their pass blocks, how long they can do this, how long they can do that. I got so caught up in what a fantastic freaking game it was. I was just watching the game like as a regular person, so I wasn't really studying the O-line. Um, 100% all these guys that play today are far better athletes than us, than, than we were back then. <laughs> the, the training techniques, the nutritional techniques. Um, you know, my son plays Division three. He can kick my ass. He's a defensive end. <laughs> you know, he can push yeah. me around. But is, so I, is that is that now you being fifty or um, you and your prime? Me and my prime, uh, I, I think I was a uh, a damn good pass blocker. And one thing that kept you in the NFL a long time back then was being able to protect guys like Dan Marino um, and Bernie and Vinny Testaverde um, and Chris Chandler. Those are the, some of the guys I protected. Uh, Jeff George, um, and we could do it on seven-step drops. The game's a lot different now. Yeah. You, have the zone, you have the zone read. You have the read pass option. That is not anything I ever did in my life. We lined up with a fullback or an H-back. We had seven-step drops. Um, you know, we had five guys in blocking, four guys out running routes, five guys running out routes, sometimes six. Um, a lot of times put on an island. I played tackle here, right tackle when I was in Cleveland. So, uh, you know, I played against guys like Kevin Green. I was a good pass blocker, and I could play any position on the line. I don't know how I would do in the run pass option. I, it would be fun. The way they play offensive now, they get rid of the ball quick, man. That's cool. And they never practice with pads on. That's really cool. The reason I had to be done after nine years is because after nine training camps, your body is just jacked. Um, so they, they treat their bodies a lot better. Their nutrition's a lot better. I, I don't want to do a comparison, but I'm, I'll put myself up against anybody when it comes to pass blocking. I wasn't the best run blocker ever on the planet, but I, I pass blocked some of the best players that ever played the game. Ricky Jackson, Kevin Green, Howie Long. I mean, you name them. Some of the, a bunch of guys in the Hall of Fame, and I held my own. So I think I should be cocky and pick me, even though I should have some humility and pick him. <laughs> I mean, pick me. <laughs> I know, long, a long, convoluted answer, but I, I was pretty good at what I did. So, you know, if he goes to a few Pro Bowls, I'll shut my mouth. Now, if you said <laughs> Joe Thomas, I, would, I wouldn't have said, oh, obviously. You didn't even have to ask that question. The, the guy's going to go to the Hall of Fame. He's fantastic. So, but you, they, did play, you did play in a Super Bowl, eh? I, I was lucky enough to play in a Super Bowl. Every once in a while, you get you get a team that's good enough put together, and you have no injuries, and uh, it all comes together. And uh, in '98, we just had one of those runs and had an NFC Championship game against the Vikings that no one thought we were going to win. Uh, I think they were 15 and one at the time, and 16-17-1, and uh, we, we won on their field and ended up playing the Broncos in John Elway's last game. 
And if you're a true Browns fan, you know all Browns fans hate the Broncos. <laughs> so yeah. uh, versus Elway in his last game, and uh, he had a great game. And we had a safety that went out and tried to get a prostitute and got arrested the night before the game. I don't know if you're old enough to remember that. And yeah, yeah. Kind of threw our whole uh, mojo off a little bit, uh, having our starting safety <laughs> get arrested like that. And uh, we uh, he ended up getting a, a bomb thrown over him in the first quarter. And I turned to one of my tackles, and I'm like, we're going to have to score 100 points to win this one. Like, literally in the first quarter, that's how I felt in that Super Bowl, just because of all the shit that had gone on in the last 24 hours. But it was a lot of fun. I mean, you don't get a very – you don't – when I first got – let me tell you this. Let me finish with this. When I first got in the NFL, I talked to Dan Marino and Mark Duper and Mark Clayton as receivers. And their rookie year, or, or their second year, they went to the Super Bowl. And they thought it was so easy. They were going to go year after year. They were young. They were good. And they looked at me, and they're like, we haven't been back since. And they never <laughs> went again. And they never went again. They're like, so, you know, anytime we're good – we can put it to them, you know. Give your best effort because you you're never gonna you might never get another chance if you get one chance at all. So I was super lucky to even get a chance to play in a Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, John Elway got uh, MVP in that match. Let's not talk about that, but let's talk about something a bit more interesting: the halftime music. As a Super Bowl player, did you actually hear the music? Not a word of it. Um, we were down in the game. Uh, when we go into the locker room, we immediately break up into our individual groups. Our O-line group goes probably into the shower. There's a, there's a whiteboard in there, and our O-line coach starts going over all the mistakes we made and all the adjustments we're going to make in the game. And the doors are closed, and uh, they don't come and knock on our door until like two minutes before all that stuff's over. I didn't hear any of that. I did see Cher sing the national anthem. Um, I didn't, I don't remember hearing it at all because so much adrenaline was freaking running through me. Quite frankly, it was almost like I was deaf. It was, I was in another world in another space cause I had never experienced anything like a Super Bowl. It's a freaking spectacle. And I saw them taking down Kiss's equipment and they were completely unplugged, which means they were <laughs> lip sync. And I'm a little disappointed in that they should have been plugged in and playing live, but I mean, the logistics of it are kind of a pain in the ass during the Super Bowl. That's a lot of power. So. I understand. So you, you didn't even hear any of Stevie Wonder upstairs, nothing at all? No. My parents said it was great. My wife, <laughs> who was nine months pregnant at the time, said it was wow. fantastic. Um, and uh, it was one of those, like, Stevie Wonder is great at the Super Bowls. Uh, him and the all-time greatest ever is Prince. Prince just puts on the best Super Bowl shows ever. But Stevie Wonder apparently is, is right up there with them, so... I missed it all. I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just trying to get my head in the game and come back and try to play a, a solid second half. A lot of us were actually slipping, so a lot of us were concentrating on which shoes we were going to wear for the second half because I, I think I went with three pairs of shoes. The turf was just a little different. It had rained or something a little earlier, and I went from cleats to spikes, from spikes to cleats, and it was it's just one of those things you think about. You're just doing football stuff. You're just doing your job during <laughs> – during during the game so now if i'm correct you hold a very interesting uh stat is that you're the last browns player to be traded oh uh, from the old browns old browns yes yeah. when i burned my when my, burned my final bridge with belichick yeah when i uh, 
when I when they came back from Arizona after practice, and he called me into his office and ripped me a new one and said uh, he was going to find me, and he told me to show up for work the next day at 9 a.m. and I left the building. And then back in those days, uh, we we had car phones with actual like cords yes. and. <laughs> and my car phone rang and I answered it and it was my agent. I'm like 10 minutes away from the Browns facility. And he's like, you've just been traded. Pick a team, Philadelphia or Atlanta. And I'm like, dude, I just left this effing office. Are you kidding me? I'm like, what a dick. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, effing I'm like, I just left. I'm like, that fucking dick couldn't tell me face to face. He was going to pull this. He had to get one last just like, stick it to me and jab me in the nuts, you know, type of thing. And uh, so I had to, you know, I had a half an hour to decide which team I wanted to be uh, traded to. And I actually picked Atlanta because Clay and Metcalf were there. And, and they were playing there. And I was like, shit, I don't know anybody in Philadelphia. And the fans are just vicious there. And so <laughs> I figured I would play in Atlanta right away, which, you know, turned out to be the case. And that's how I picked Atlanta over, over Philly. And uh, I came back to the facility, grabbed all my gear, and uh, left one last time, you know, just flipping Bilicek off on the way out. Just <laughs> metaphorically, I didn't actually physically see him. If I had seen him, I would have definitely MF'd him because that's just – he knew he was going to trade my ass, and he pulled that shit anyway. Hey, Jack, how are you? I haven't seen you. You haven't asked a single question, bro. quiet. Paul's been rolling, so I didn't want to jump in. But uh, a name many people are actually floating this off-season as a uh, shock Browns head coach is Bill. So it, what what would your feelings be if Bill gets announced as the next Browns head, head coach? Well, I'd probably move to Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, why would he want to come back here and do that? Oh, well, Baker Mayfield, he's got a quarterback. Uh, Do you think wow. he's got un, unfinished business here? No, I, I mean, I, I mean, how could you have unfinished business? Doesn't he have like five, six, seven rings or something? Or, I mean, he's got more rings than anybody. He's got more money than God. Uh, and I quite frankly don't know how much he cares about Cleveland. So uh, I don't know how much he loved Cleveland. I don't know how much he was into Cleveland. Uh, you know, he's just. Uh, He's just Bill. People that played for him, Bill is just Bill. He's a unique guy. If you met him for 15 minutes and talked to him in person, you'd know exactly what I was talking about. He's a he's a strange dude. Uh, if he likes you, you, you really like him. If he's pissed at you, man, <laughs> now forget about it. It's it's over for you. You might as well pack your shit and go. That's just the type of dude he is. And I've been on both ends of that, so. <laughs> I, I honestly, as far as head coaches go, um, what's wrong with the guy they got? Does does he not deserve a shot? I mean, how do you – did anybody ever think we were going to get rolling like this, playing a game like this, uh, playing this hard for Greg? And uh, don't get me wrong, Greg is not my cup of tea. He's been around since I played. And if I had played for Greg Williams, it would have been difficult because he is one of those personalities like Belichick. Like, if he does not like you and, you know, everybody has an ego in the NFL, it would be a difficult thing. But with him with a young team, he seems to know what he's doing. Uh, clearly, 
And don't get me wrong, I think Hugh Jackson is a good coach. Was he a good head coach? No. Is he a good offensive coordinator? Yes. Um, I just think he was kind of in panic mode when you're down to your rookie quarterback and your last chance, and this is how you feed your family. You panic a little bit. I think that's what happened this year. He wanted to take the reins over on offense, and, and the Haslam's just said, you know what, clean slate, fresh start. Fair enough. He had, he had enough opportunities. But I think Greg's doing a really good job. Um, if you float anybody's name, float that guy. I think he gets first crack at it if, you're, if I'm the GM. Oh, um, Janine, a qu- question for you is um, Bruce Arians, he's like the fan's favorite at the moment, or Greg Williams. Who would you mm-hmm. pick if you were uh, Dorsey? I think Bruce is a great offensive mind, great with quarterbacks. Uh, <laughs> is there a way you can hire Bruce and not piss off Greg and keep him on the team as D coordinator? That would be the best of both worlds, probably assistant head coach and head coach. Uh, if yeah, that wouldn't upset that. Greg and, you pay, and money talks, pay, make him the highest paid coordinator in the league. I don't think that's going to be an issue. Um, but yeah, Bruce, if he, if that's the only, I hear that's the only gig he wants up to come out of retirement. If he wants it that bad, that guy's got a smart enough offensive mind to know something. I don't know why he wants to be here. Like, they can win a lot of games quickly because, you know, he's he's a little long in the tooth. He's only got so many years of head coaching left So if he wants to come back. So I, if they could work it out where there's both of them, um, if they have to pick one, I don't know, flip a coin, bro. Who do you think? I Today, I would go with Greg Williams. Mm-hmm. Jack, who would you go with? Um, I want to go something bold like a Lincoln Riley where the game's changing. Um, I, don't, I don't know if Greg Williams wants to be the head coach. I think he's much happier staying maybe as that defensive coordinator. Um, so an Arians coming in, being the head coach, keeping Kitchens and um, Greg Williams where they are might be something they look at. Um, and no matter what, keep the staff too. I mean, if you don't keep kitchens, are you kidding me? You're out of your mind because he just figured out Baker Mayfield, and that's the biggest thing. You gotta, you gotta mold your game around the talent you have and what they're good at. You know, uh, I was good at some things, I wasn't good at other things, so it wasn't like they were gonna try to make me some sort of power run blocker over and over again where I'm taking on these huge beasts that were stronger than me. <laughs> They tailored our O-line game to to fit how good the O-line was or the quarterback. And obviously, the Kitchens, he, he figured it out. He knew what Baker was good at, and he has nailed it. Uh, and, you know, Baker's being bold, and he's throwing some picks and taking some chances. But that's what the first pick of the draft is supposed to do. He's absolutely supposed to try to fit those things in there and figure out what his limitations are. If he doesn't, then he plays scared his whole career, and he never takes those chances. I've seen quarterbacks – throw balls they should never throw and they've gotten completed so um you got to keep kitchens i think for baker's success the guy is awesome and as far as the head coach goes and and yeah and keeping greg would be awesome too but i'm, I'm with you i think greg deserves a shot i didn't think he would be able to turn it around uh in my day we would have been thinking about thanksgiving christmas and we would have shut it down for there tried not to get injured um, but these guys are young and they're hungry and they obviously want to win because um, a lot of them have never been on a winning team in the NFL. So it's it's fun to see, and I, I honestly I hope Greg does get a shot. 
We've got three games left. What do you think your predictions are for the last three games? Who are we playing? Uh, we've got Denver away, Ravens away, and Bengals at home. All winnable games. Uh, it just really... Uh, if anybody doesn't know, after Cleveland's struggles, after we lost our team to Baltimore, and Baltimore went on to get two Super Bowl rings that have roots in Cleveland, <laughs> which still kills me to this day. If anybody doesn't know, you need a quarterback. And a backup quarterback helps too. You usually need two fantastic running backs, which I think we have in Duke and Chubb, who my, my wife loved Chubb all, all yesterday. Come on, Chubb! Go, Chubb! <laughs> um, that's her favorite player, if you were wondering. Um, and you need – to people that just buy in. I mean, we've had defenses in the past. We've had decent defenses, but we have not had the quarterback that has helped us that can overcome, what do they say, overcome adversity, if I'm going to sit there. And, and uh, they love to say that in football. And, and, but it's true. This, this guy does not care. He has a short memory. He screws up. He comes back the next series. And it's like he, he never even thought about the screw-up. It doesn't even cross his mind. I'm talking about Baker, of course. And without that component, you are never going to win in the NFL. You have to have a quarterback. And they finally got one. And I'm knocking on wood for his health. They got to make sure they got a good backup one for the next few years, too. Um, I think we're set in place. If we win these next three games, well, first of all, we could make the playoffs, which is – can you believe we're saying that in 2018? After all the misplay, but believe it or not, the last playoff game the Brown played played in, I played in versus the Patriots in the nineties. So wow. think about that. Um, they haven't been in a playoff game since then. They've had one winning season, right? Uh, since they've come back, but they didn't play in the playoffs. They had an eleven five season, but they didn't make the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, uh, I think there was one. Let me. Was there one? All right, double check that. Well. If there Jack, wasn't get one, Jack, get googling Jack quickly. Yeah, I, if there wasn't one, then I played in the last playoff game, and that was versus the Patriots in the nineties. Uh, so, like on New Year's Day or New Year's Eve or something. Um, but um, we, we have a quarterback now. I'm excited. I think they can win. You know, I, I don't predictions. You never know what's going to happen with injuries and other things. I actually think we can run the table. Um, we get some luck, maybe, maybe even make the playoffs, which is a hope and a wish. I'm, you know, I'm no guarantee. Uh, but they're set for next year if they draft the right pieces and they have the right head coach and they keep their staff intact and keep their players buying in. I think this is going to be. You're going to talk to me for 10, 15 minutes next year on a podcast, going, "Man, we're going to the playoffs for sure. We're winning. We're, it's going to be a totally different thing." I, and I think this is the first year I've ever felt that. With the, with the new Browns, since the Browns have come back to town. It's the first year I've ever felt, okay, this is the turnaround. This is it. They've got, they've got a quarterback. They've got some running backs. They've got some good coaching, and they're coaching in a way their players know how to, you know, implement it. And um, you need all those things and a little bit of luck. So it all helps. But uh, I think uh, we're on our way. Jack's always got the answers. Very good. I forgot. I totally forgot. That's how that long ago, man. One. Oh, wow. I'll have to look up that game. I totally forgot about that game. Who did we, who'd we lose to? So, the 2002-2003 playoffs, last time we went there, it was unfortunately a loss to uh, 
Pittsburgh, 33-36. But enough about that. We're not oh, here to talk about Pittsburgh. Wow. It didn't wow. I had totally forgotten about that game. I think we're back on our way to going to multiple playoffs. So I'm excited about that. Excellent. And uh, a question I ask all my guests, what body part are you willing to give up for the Browns to win a Super Bowl? Well, I played in a Super Bowl. And as it stands, at 50, I've given up a back, two knees. That's three knee surgery on one, one on the other, one back surgery. My ankles, my fingers, my neck. Uh, I've already given all these body parts up, and I lost the damn Super Bowl. So <laughs> God knows what I've given up to win a, a Super Bowl for the Browns. Uh, and, you know, I shouldn't say my nut, but... <laughs> At this point, I don't need it. <laughs> my kids are grown. So, who knows? My left nut, because I need my all left. And I can barely walk as it is, man. I mean, I need my ankles, my toes, my knees. It's it's hard enough to get up in the morning. It takes me four hours just to get moving. After 20 years of football, nine in the NFL, um, you know, just little car wrecks all day long. Uh, I think I've given up enough. Uh, but at this point, you know, maybe, maybe a nut, because you can still have kids with one nut, so. And if you need to edit that out, oh, well. <laughs> no, no, no. It's staying in there. Well, <laughs> your left nut's going to go because we're going to win the Super Bowl. But for the podcast, it's staying. We'll and, bronze it and we'll put it in the museum. And uh, we'll go, Gene gave up this nuts so the Browns could win a freaking Super Bowl, for God's sakes. Because I'll tell you what, when the Cavs won, I was pretty excited. Because I get excited for Cleveland, you know. It's like. I'm not, I'm not born and bred here, but I've been here longer than I've been anywhere else. My wife is born and bred here. So Cleveland sports, that's our thing. We are Cleveland fans. Uh, and she went to Ohio State, so she's an, an Ohio State fan. But, uh, man, it, this, this city is a fun city when it wins. When we win and we're happy, it's just a, it's a much even better city. So, yeah, I'd probably give up the left nut to win. <laughs> my, my, that left nut sack – it's got Super Bowl <laughs> DNA in it. So, yeah, let's, let's get it down to Canton now. Let's get it down. Right on. Well, you know, the DNA is old and degraded now. But, yeah, at one time it was a world-class nut. <laughs> Still is. Sorry, Jack. Um, <laughs> um, and my last question to you is, I want a crazy hot, hot, hot take of something that's going to happen to the Browns maybe in the next three games or early next season. Man, this is a league where a lot of points is needed to win. In fact, they're predicting the Super Bowl will probably – they're predicting it may be one of the highest-scoring Super Bowls ever. With the rule changes and everything else, my hot take is we're going to start seeing this offense going all cylinders and this be an offense maybe in the next three games where you're going to see these guys maybe put up a 40-point game or something. They're going to put up the kind of offense like – you know, a Favre or an Aaron Rodgers or this Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City is doing. We, you know, Baker Mayfield has that potential, certainly. Um, and, he, you know, he's just got one less year under his belt. So, to score a lot of points, that's what I, I want to see in one of these next three games, our offense, to score a lot of points. Maybe the defense doesn't have it that day and the offense needs to win the thing. And they need 40, 45 because that's the new NFL, like the new NBA, they're scoring 100, 125 points. The new NFL, you know, it's 27, 37, 40 points some games. And that's 
that's going to be what's needed to, to win in the, the new NFL. And that's my hot take. That's what I need to see. I think that's what Baker's going to, you know, I think they know that. So that's what I'm looking to see. Let's put 50 points up on Hugh Jackson's Bengals. That would make me feel good. <laughs> that would be perfect. That would be a perfect ending, a perfect crescendo to the whole season. Um, and and we get into the playoffs to boot. <laughs> those That would be uh, awesome. Uh, those two things would be incredible. And uh, I think they can happen. You know, I think uh, Baker's definitely – the way Kitchens has him running the offense, those, those two jet sweeps by the – by the by, the receiver yesterday, uh, where they handed it to was it Jarvis Landry? Just handed it. They were going in three different directions. Handed it him real quick. They did it once in the end zone. They did it once uh, deeper in the field. I mean, incredible offense. Incredible thinking. Incredible. Just you know, and you're going to need that type of, type of offense to get huge chunks of yards to score lots of points in in today's NFL. So, and that's what I'm looking to see. I thought your hot take was going to be. I'm going to come back to NFL next year and become the Browns O-line coach. Never thought about getting into coaching. I retired. Uh, it's uh, it's not for me, man. Right. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. It's just uh, I was a player. Uh, let coaches be coaches. I, I wouldn't be good at it. I don't have the temperament for it. I, I, you know, I would, I'm a nice guy, and I would, everyone would think I was an asshole after that because <laughs> it's a lot of stress. When you're at, when you're relying on other guys to feed your family, I don't care if it's college coach, NFL, that is a stressful situation. These guys are nomads. They're moving from team to team on an average every three or four years, you know, making connections, networking. Coaching is not an easy profession. It's not easy on families. Um, I just wanted to be grounded. And first of all, I was so beat up when I retired, I just wanted to lick my wounds for two years and do nothing and recover from it. And then by the time – uh, that was over. I was just raising kids, co-parenting with my my wife, and that was a-okay with me. I can watch football on Sundays and Saturdays. <laughs> Saturdays, too, if I feel like it. Uh, and uh, no need to coach. No hot take there. Never ha- never going to happen, bro. <laughs> you got a better chance than me. You should get in some internship for coaching uh, and uh, see if they take you on. You can learn the game. Anybody can learn this game. They start you off in film. Well, they start you off as the coffee boy. Anyway, that's how Mangini started off. I used to call him coffee boy. When I played in the NFL, Eric Mangini, Philichek's old right-hand man, I used to call that dude coffee boy because all he did was got people coffee. Um, that dude ended up being a head coach on like two or three different teams in the end. And he started off breaking up film and getting coffee and doing the little things. And then before you know it, if they like you, man, you're calling X's and O's and, you know, Banging cocktail waitresses two at a time, like in The Godfather. So. Sign me up. Sign me up now. That's perfect. You should try. You should, you're still young, bro. You should give it a shot. Okay, excellent. Well, look, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you, when I come out, When I come out to Cleveland, what's your drink? Because me and you are going to go out for a drink. I am now, since I'm 50, I like bourbon on the rocks, believe it or not. A good bourbon. Okay. Yes. And it, uh, bourbon, any bourbon. Okay, good. I'm Here's part of my drinking. prostate. I'm 50. I gotta worry about my prostate now, dude. So I gotta have a prostate healthy diet. No more beer. No more shots of Jaeger. No more pork <laughs> sandwiches. I'm eating friggin' pumpkin seeds, <laughs> bourbon once a week, and drinking grass. You know, like the green shots of grass that my wife makes me drink. Uh, to keep me alive for another year. You know. <laughs> 
and I have no idea why she wants to keep me alive. I'm so annoying. But, <laughs> but yeah, I would love to come out and have a bourbon with you. I actually gave, I DM'd you my, my cell number. You got it. I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're ever here, man, let me know which bar you're at, and I will meet you there. Excellent. Let's do that. And uh, if you ever come to London, you've got somewhere to stay, and uh, we'll take oh, give awesome. you a tour around London. I'll, I might hold you to that, because I love London. I got to yeah. come there. And you know what? You can buy super cheap flights out to London. That's even Four, better, because I, I didn't make the money that these current players make. I made my career what these guys make in a year, so uh, cheap flights, I'm in. <laughs> You can get a flight to the uh, London for about four hundred US dollars if you get it right. So, oh, I'm yeah, it's pretty good. When, when were right. you last? A month ago in Cleveland. Yeah, I was here. I was here a month ago. I flew into Toronto. Uh, that was also cheap. But uh, did you? Did we win the game when you came last month or no? Did we win? Yes. Yeah, we won. We won. We won. Oh, so I lost the first game I came to this year was the Chargers. We lost, and then we won uh, against the Falcons. Oh, very good. Very cool. I used so to play the Falcons. I'm glad. I, yeah. Well, there you go. I'm tempted. Uh, I'm, I've penciled it in. I'm coming out for the last game of the season against the Ravens. Oh, my so, God. So, uh, hopefully. I'll be here. And no, there's no effing way I will ever go to a cold weather game that cold. So, whatever bar you're at that has heat, <laughs> text me. I'll meet okay. there. I ain't going and standing out. Like, I don't do – cold weather shit anymore since my uh, oh my god i can't stand that it, just, it hurts my body dude it just you know was, some dude was in the dog pound yesterday with no freaking shirt on i mean that's just love it it's insanity, man he's gonna lose years off his life doing that shit i'm telling you but uh yeah i'll meet you anywhere you uh you end up uh, going to hang out let's do dinner a drink something because you guys amazing Mate, yeah. it's been really nice talking to you. Thank right. you so much. I appreciate it. What, what's your uh, Twitter details? Uh, I don't promote Twitter. You don't have to tell anything about Twitter. Okay, forget <laughs> it then. Forget all that. We'll promote you. I'm, no, uh, no, no, no. Yeah, I, I don't do sports stuff, so I'm not a social media guy. I, w I just wanted to try a podcast, and I figured it'd be easy with you because you know so much about the Browns, and I'd never, I'd never done a podcast before. So I welcome to the digital age for me. I mean, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's been an absolute pleasure, and thank you so much. You are an absolute natural as well. Oh, so uh, appreciate it. What I happened to it, your snoring boss? I saw one of your tweets where your boss was snoring. Did he? No, leave? that was that was that me was actually. <laughs> oh, that was you snoring? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're kidding me. No, one one of the other partners uh, spotted spotted me online sleeping. And they said, "What are you doing, Paul? Sleeping at lunch break?" So, uh, how do you sleep like that during? How do you, how can you just fall asleep in public like that? So, uh, I work here in London uh, from eight till eight o'clock, and oh. then I do my podcasting and all my brown stuff. And I sometimes <laughs> I finish at two o'clock. I to do. To do this podcast, me and Jack made a commitment. We do one a day. Oh my God. And I even, I even separated from my girlfriend. I was that committed to doing it. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, I, I literally work till one, two o'clock. And then I just literally uh, fall asleep. I can sleep anywhere. Well, dude, I hope this podcast is a huge hit because it's fun. And if you're putting that kind of effort into it, you guys deserve nothing but success. No, thank you very much. TV show next year. Let's see what you like in front of a camera. Hey, don't put me near Piers Mark Morgan. He has a very punchable face. Okay? Yeah. That's what I'm it's the only British guy I want to be near. If I have to come out there and do a TV show, don't put me near him. 
He, he's, he hates guns, you know that. I hate guns too. Okay, you, maybe you can get on well with him. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll rethink that. Yeah, okay. But some, some of the shit he tweets out, oh my God, I wanna slap that fucker. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> we like a bit of passion on the show, but look, it's, it's been a pleasure. And uh, thank you again. And I, I can't wait till I get out to Cleveland to meet you for a drink. All right, man. Just give me a text. Nice Excellent. to meet you. Thank right. you. Take care, Cheers. Jack. Come on.